Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Right there in Hebrews 11, there's no reason we shouldn't just stay there. Teaching on the subject of faith. Now, remember, the, the, word, of, uh, the word faith is kind of, I would say, misunderstood and misused in what I would call Christianity. Have you ever had anybody ask you of what faith you were? Say, so, you know, of what faith are you? Especially if you start talking about you know, the power of God, and signs and wonders, miracles and things like that. People look at you kind of funny and say, well, of what faith are you? Now, now really what they're asking is of what denomination? Are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Catholic? Are you Episcopalian? Are you a Lutheran? You know, they want to know kind of what flavor of Christianity you adhere to, which in reality has nothing to do with faith. It has nothing whatsoever to do with faith. You say, well, I'm of the Baptist faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm of the Lutheran faith. Well, what does that mean? Listen, God has not segregated faith to where it means one thing to one group of people, another thing to another group of people, another thing to another group of people, and God says, that's okay, they can all believe all that, and I'll cover all of that. No, that's not how God does that. Faith is not whatever whatever, uh, a flavor of Christianity you adhere to. Faith is a divine force. Faith is a divine force given by God. God is a faith God. Let me say that again. God is a faith God. That means God uses faith. God used His faith to create the world, uh, to create the the, the heavens, the earth, all that is in the earth, to create the, the animal kingdom, to create humanity. God used His faith to do that. And He used principles of faith to do it. When Jesus walked on the earth, He was a man walking in correct relationship to His God who walked by faith. I, my, my particular uh, Bible study and Bible reading today uh, uh, fell into Mark chapter uh, Mark chapter 10 was where I was reading in the Gospels, Mark chapter 10. And Jesus, beginning in Mark chapter 10, beginning in the first few verses there, He begins to tell them about uh, His death, His burial, His resurrection, what was going to happen during that time. And, and the Bible says that they didn't even understand it. Well, He wasn't saying it for their benefit. All of those confessions He was making in the Gospels about His death, burial, and resurrection, He was doing it for His benefit. You say, now why do you say that? Well, go read in Matthew chapter 28. When he was risen from the dead, uh, the, the angel said to the disciples, uh, he is risen as he said. So he went to the cross believing in his heart and confessing with his mouth that his heavenly father would raise him from the dead. Are you with me? So he was a man that operated by faith. It wasn't Baptist faith. It, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, Methodist faith. It wasn't Pentecostal faith. It wasn't Lutheran faith. It was the God kind of faith. That's really what it says in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, where it says, have faith in God. Really, the true translation is that is have the God kind of faith. So God allows us to operate in faith just like He does. So last week we began in Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So last week we looked at the difference between hope and faith. Hope is not faith. Hope is an expectancy. Hope is believing that one day, one day, my body will be healed. Uh, One day, my finances will be blessed. Uh, One day, I'll have a breakthrough in my business. One day, uh, uh, my marriage will be blessed. But that's not faith. That's hope. So hope comes along, and um, excuse me, so faith comes along and gives substance to what you are hoping for. 
Now, in order to illustrate that, you must understand that the substance that faith is made up of is the Word of God. We saw where faith is, is, is dealt, Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Uh, uh, it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, that it's the gift of God, that for by grace you are saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. See, the law of double reference is there. Both the grace and the faith are gifts from God. God gives you grace, which is a gift, and God gives you faith to tap into that grace. Now, we know uh, the, the, what we would call the capstone scripture of how we get faith, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh. Everybody say, faith cometh. Say, faith cometh. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we discovered last week that the Word of God has the ability when you hear it. Let me say it again. The Word of God has the ability when you hear it to convince you of the reality of the provision of God even though that provision has not been yet revealed to your senses. That means before you feel it, before you touch it, before you see it, hear it, or smell it, you know it's yours. I said you know it's yours. Before your body tells you you're healed, before the doctor's report tells you you're healed, you can know you are healed. Uh, before the check comes in the mail, before the investment pays off, uh, before you get your raise at the job, whatever it may be, you can know that you're prosperous. Faith gives substance to that which you're expecting. Now, if you have a substance of that's what you, that which you are expecting, then you have the material of that which you are expecting, the material, the divine material, that that is made of that which is, it is made up of. That didn't make sense. Let me do it again. If you are expecting and faith comes and gives you what you are expecting, but you don't have a physical manifestation, then your faith is what you possess or what you have. Now let me, let me help you a little bit with that. We, the simple illustration we've used over the years of facts and truth. Fact could be your body hurts. Truth is by his stripes you're healed. So when you stand on the truth of the word of God, faith takes hold and convinces you of the reality of what the facts have not adhered to yet. Now let me say that again. You stand in truth. The truth is what? What God, God's Word says. Uh, John 17. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy Word is thy truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. The truth of God's Word drops into your spirit. Convinces you of the reality of healing. Convinces you of the reality of prosperity, blessing, whatever you believe in God for. The fact may be you don't have, but then truth and faith causes you to possess. Now by the truth... You have what the facts say you don't have. Now let me say it again. By truth, you have what the facts say you don't have. You say, then, so what do I do? You continue in the truth till the facts line up with the truth. Till next thing you know, the truth of what you believe is the reality of what the facts now are. Now does that make sense? Well, not everything about faith makes sense. We've always said that the Bible doesn't answer all the questions, but the Word of God is designed to remove your doubt. 
That's exactly what faith does is remove your doubt. Are you healed? I'm healed. Are you blessed? I'm blessed. How do you know? That's what the Word says. Now, always remember, faith works in the arena of the will of God. The will of God and the Word of God are synonymous. Many people, especially in denominational realms and people that do not understand the concept of faith, exhaust themselves trying to ask God, is it your will? Trying to determine whether God is still operating on a sovereign level in which He's picking and choosing individuals in which He says, I will bless this one and not this one, heal this one and not that one, save this one and not that one. But remember, when Jesus came, He ushered in what the Bible calls the acceptable year of the Lord. Now we see the beginnings of that even in His ministry where many people that were healed under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ were healed by their own initiation. Which means Jesus did not look for them to heal them. They looked for Jesus to be healed. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. You say, why is that important for us today? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we do not have an access problem. People will say, well, if Jesus were here in bodily form, if Jesus were walking among us, well, he's here in the form of a message called the gospel. And he said himself that we are more blessed because we've not seen and believed than those who have seen and believed. <clears throat> Which means greater access, greater blessing. Amen? So faith is what? Let's read it in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. I'd like to take the word fact out and put truth there. You say, why would you do that? Because facts are changeable, but truth is not. Notice the next phrase. Uh, the next one, the one we use for our uh, verse 2 says, for, for by it the elders obtained... A good report. If I say good report. Now, faith, I know people don't like this, but you've got to hear this and get this into your spirit about the subject of faith. Faith is always, without exception, a good report. Amen? You say, now, now what do you mean by that? The Word of God, faith in your spirit, is always a good report. You get a doctor's report that's a bad report, the Word of God is a good report. Uh, you get a financial report that's a bad report, the Word of God is a good report. Whatever it may be, that's why it is so important that whatever you're believing God for, you dig into the Word of God and find Scripture to stand on. You say, well, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, and I'm not finding it. Keep digging. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. You have the teacher on the inside of you. He's also the guide, the Holy Ghost. He will show you exactly what scriptures to stand on so that you can build your faith and receive what God has for you. Now, make sure that what you're believing God for is the will of God for your life. Now, we know of all of the provision of the covenant. Everybody say provision of the covenant. Those things you do not have to pray for. Such as healing. You don't have to go and say, Lord, if it's your will, I'll get some faith and get healed. No, 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 no. He proved it's his will to heal us. He proved it's his will to prosper us. 
He proved it's his will to save us. He proved it's his will to deliver. But now the individual things, things that may be unique about your life that are not unique about my life. Things that I may believe, be believing God for uh, that you may not be believing God for. Uh, things that you may believe, be believing God for that I'm not believing God. Things that are unique to your own walk of faith. Things that are unique to your own path of righteousness, which you're walking on. Things that are unique to whatever God's trying to bring into your life. It is your responsibility to dig into the Word of God and find Scripture that covers that. To dig in there and get your good report. That's why you ought to keep a faith journal, a prayer journal and faith journal of what you're believing God for. Full of Scripture, full of the Word, things that you meditate on and things that you confess on a daily basis. Now notice what the next scripture says. Verse 3, here's what I wanted to get, to, uh, get down to. Verse 3, through faith, everybody say through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Listen to it in the Amplified. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Now, first of all, you must understand that first phrase. If you, if you get anything tonight, get this. By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. Now, you got to kind of fall back into some of our redemptive teaching. You are a three-part being. You possess a body, you have a soul, but you are a spirit. Now, the spirit man needs only understanding of the Word of God. Most people are so intellectually de developed that they get their human intellect and their human spirit mixed up. So they desire detailed explanation that would adhere to an intellectual impartation that would provide an explanation that would cause you to say, oh, I can see that. Or I can, that's explained to me to the point that I understand that. But you have to understand, faith, the Word of God, only imparts understanding. Now, in order to understand, understanding. First of all, remember what Paul said over in Ephesians chapter 1. To pray what? That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Remember Jesus, when he rose from the dead, gathered his disciples. He was telling them what? All the scripture from the prophets and Moses. Everything that had to do with his death, burial, and resurrection. And they're sitting there looking at him like you don't, they don't know what he's talking about. Then the Bible says this. Then open he the eyes of their understanding that they might know the scripture. Amen. So your understanding is what is in your spirit, man. When you understand what the Word of God says, there's no explanations needed that supply uh, satisfaction to the intellect. Now, in the intellect, in our own lives, we also operate in understanding. Many of us don't realize, but every day we deal with it. Uh, if you've got a computer, if you've got a cell phone, they tell us that our cell phones today have more technology in them uh, than the Apollo spacecraft has in it. That's just in a little cell phone that you carry around. Well, most of us, now I'm sure there's some of you here that understand computers and technology probably a lot better than, uh, a lot better than the rest of us, but most of us, by understanding, operate a cell phone. We know when it makes a noise to slide that little thing that says slide and say hello. 
and maybe know how to make, you know, play a game or two or, or, or send a text or do something like that. But if somebody was to actually press you and say, now how does that really work? How does that really work? I mean, I want all of the detailed explanation. Now, I've always used airline flight because that fascinates me. Uh, in order to fly on an airliner, uh, you know, those airliners today, what's that one we flew on a while back that was such a nice, a 7775, it was a 757. 757, a newer model of airplane. And so you can imagine the technology that's in one of those 757 airplanes. I remember years ago when we went overseas a lot, we flew on the 747s, the ones with a big, big uh, hump on top of them. Now you can imagine the technology in them, uh, the, uh, the communication system, uh, the avionics, uh, the, uh, uh, the radar, uh, all of those systems that are in there. Now thankfully... There's a couple of guys, or sometimes a gal. I know we have one lady that goes here that's a pilot for United Airlines. She's, a, she's a, a pilot, a captain for United Airlines. So there's a couple of people sitting in the cockpit. Now, those two people sitting in the cockpit, they got a pretty good explanation of how that thing operates. They know, they know exactly uh, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to start it. I, I, I dare say I could start one. I'd be looking forward to put the key in. How many of you do the same thing? You say... Where does the key go, you know? Do you press on the gas? Is there, you know? Amen? I mean, they know all about that. If you've ever watched them going through their checklist, I've, over the years, a few times, got, got to flown on some, uh, fly on some private jets and some other, other ministers that I know. And so I watched the pilots. They go through these checklists and they do all this and they talk to the tower and they're doing all this kind of stuff and getting all this stuff ready. And I want you to know, it doesn't take long uh, that it, I'm lost. I don't even, I mean, I got a clue what they're talking about. But now those two pilots know exactly what to do. They got a plane full of people. They're heading for Honolulu. Uh, they know exactly what to do. Uh, they know exactly what, uh, what runway to taxi down to. Uh, they know exactly uh, uh, how much power to give that plane to get it off the ground. Uh, they know which heading to come to, how much altitude to gain, uh, how to fly to the west and get over California, get over the Pacific Ocean, how to find Hawaii. Amen. I mean, I'd be looking, looking, looking. I'd be looking for an island, you know. They'd be for that, find it down there, then they know how to come around. I love when they make that pass and they come around Diamond Head like that and they come up the beach and they make that turn right over the, uh, the Koholina uh, uh, Resort there and start coming over Pearl Harbor and right into the Honolulu Airport. Oh, I always like that. Now, for my own part, I don't have any explanations of that, but I do have an understanding, and my understanding is very limited. My understanding is based on information. Now, that information that I get comes in the form of a ticket. The ticket tells me what airport to go to. That's where you begin, right there. You've got to know whether to go to Hobby or Intercontinental. If you're at Hobby and your plane leaves from Intercontinental, you're in trouble. If you're an Intercontinental and plane leaves from Hobby, you're in trouble. It's not going to work for you. <laughs> Amen. So when I get there uh, to the right airport, then I look on the ticket and I go to the right airline. If it says United, I don't go to Delta. I don't go to Southwest. I go to United. Uh, and then I go up to the desk and check my bags, you know, take all my clothes off and get checked, and, you know, however. <laughs> How we've got to do these days. And once you get through all of that, 
You know, then you get over there, and everybody's sitting around, so, you know, you get your snacks and get everything, and everybody gets ready, and then you look on that ticket, and it tells you what gate to go to. You know, like it say, gate 22, so you don't go to 23, uh, you don't go to 21, you go to 22, because 21's going to Atlanta, and 23 is going to Los Angeles, but you want to go to Honolulu, so that's 22. So you, you know, the uh, Intercontinental Airport, uh, you know, uh, uh, Delta Airlines, uh, you know, gate 22. Then if you look a little further on that ticket, you'll see you have been assigned a seat. B2. So you see B2. Now, that's it. That's all you get. That's it. That's it. Now, if you're real inquisitive and you really want to know, wait, oh, now wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, here you sit in B2 and you say, now wait a minute, you know, uh, do, we got enough gas to get there? Are uh, the brakes working all right? Uh, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, so you, you run up to where those pilots are going through their checklist and you knock on the door and you say, now listen, I, I'm, I, I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad we're all going to go to Hawaii and, and, but I really want to know, uh, you know, uh, do we got enough gas? Uh, uh, how, how do you turn this thing? I, that steering wheel looks funny to me. It looks like the one I got in my car, you know? And, uh, and those, uh, you got a lot more brakes and clutches and things like that. And uh, I really don't. Can you really, could you give me further explanation? Now, here's the thing. They're not obligated to give you any further explanation. There's no obligation on that. All they want you to do is adhere to the ticket. If you'll adhere to the ticket. Now, if they're really nice and in a good mood, they'll grab your ticket. They'll see, yeah, he's at Intercontinental Airport. You're doing good. Yeah, you're at Delta. We are Delta. Uh, yeah, Gate 22. That's us. We're Gate 22. Uh, B2. Have you found B2 yet? Yeah, I was sitting back there. I came up here to ask you all these questions. They'll say, now go back. Go back and sit down. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. We're busy. So if you continue to go up there, Telling them, well, you know, hey, you know, I, I've, I've heard people make the trip before, and I, I've seen Hawaii on TV, and I like all of that, and I've heard the testimonies of other people, and how wonderful it is and everything, but I'm really not going to go because, you know, here's the problem I've got. If that's all the information I've got about this big chunk of metal, this 40-something tons of metal that's going to stay up in the air for eight and a half hours and land me on some little island out in the middle of the Pacific, and all you're going to give me is Intercontinental Airport, Delta, B, uh, Gate 22, and B. Two, uh, that's really not a whole lot of information. So you have to have some what? Some faith. You've got to operate by the understanding that you have. Because up in the front of this plane is a couple of people who've made the trip over and over and over again. They know how to fly the plane. They know how to operate all the instrumentation. They know how to find Hawaii. They know how to land there. They know how to take off from Houston. But the miracle of it is, is that when they land with all of their expertise, with all of their education, with everything they know about airline flight and everything, when they land in Honolulu, about 20 feet behind them, you land. And all you know is Intercontinental Airport, Gate 22, Delta Airlines, B2. That's all you know. So you have an understanding. They have an explanation, but both get to the same destination. Now let me say that again. They have a great ex explanation. You have an understanding, but both arrive at the same destination. Now the same thing's true of faith. You say, what do you mean? God's in control. Once you start living by faith, God takes over. He's your pilot. He's the one flying the thing. A lot of times, he, you're going to go up there and bang on his door and try to get some detailed explanation that's going to satisfy your mind. He's going to tell you, go sit down and shut up. 
We've got this thing wired. Don't worry about it. We've planned it out. There's, there's no reason for you to worry. We know exactly what you're, we're doing. Here I am. I got Jesus with me. Got the Holy Ghost. We put the Holy Ghost in you. So don't worry about it. Just operate by your understanding. Take the information that you have and have faith with it. And you'll get where you're going. If you're going toward healing, you'll get there. If you're going toward prosperity, you'll get there. Just keep walking that path of righteousness by faith and you'll understand. And you'll get to the point in which you receive from God. Are you with me? So, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word. Everybody say, by the Word. Let me find my place here. By faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Now listen to this. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, now explain that one. Huh? Things that are seen. Everything that is. Now you know how the world was created. It was created by the Word. God spoke the Word. Everything that is in existence came through the unseen realm, the faith of God, and the Word of God into existence. Every atom, every molecule, every plant, every animal, Everything we sit on, everything we wear, everything we live in, everything is made by the Word of God. The Bible says of Jesus, by Him all things exist, and by Him all things find their existence. Which means everything that is, is made up of the Word of God. All of it's made up of the Word. So that the reality of life is not this realm, the reality of life is the spirit realm. So if God can affect some things in the spirit realm and then by faith we can grab hold of them, we can bring them from the spirit realm into the natural realm. In Ephesians 1, every time we read the scripture, nobody ever shouts or jumps or runs or dances, but it's one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible where it says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God is saying to us, Everything that was void, everything that was messed up in the unseen realm because of the fall of Adam has been fixed. Now there's provision. Now there's blessing. And now there's access by faith, not just for a prophet, priest, and king, but to whosoever will call to access the provision of God by faith because Jesus has made a conduit in which the Word of God causes the provision of God to flow again. So you've got to understand that everything that is came where from the unseen realm. So it's important. It's important that you get it how? By the Spirit. Because if you get it by the Spirit, then it will come to you by faith into the natural. That's why meditation on the Word is so important. That's why prayer is so important. That's why having the Word taught to you and preached to you is so important. Because the moment you hear it, you've made contact with the spirit realm. That's why your confession is so important. Because your words are the only thing that touch the natural and the spirit realm. Some of you, you, if you listen to what I just said, you'll get a revelation. Your words are the only thing that contact both the spirit and the natural realm. So if you are confessing the word, what are you doing? You're bringing from the spirit realm into the natural realm the provision of God for you by faith. Thank you, Father, that I'm healed. By his stripes, every time you say that, you're pulling that manifestation closer and closer and closer to you. 
That's why the devil doesn't want you speaking the word. That's why he tell you, now those people are crazy. That's cultish ideas. To, believe, to, 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 to say, uh, you know, the word, to speak those things. That's just mind over matter. No, it's not. It's the word of God over circumstances. It's literally allowing that word to pierce the heavenlies and tap into the provision of God already provided for you and bring it into your life by faith. That's how it works. That's how it works. And once you understand that, then you'll start using your words for you instead of against you. I was listening to a testimony today. A, a, a particular minister was ministering in a conference, and a lady came up and said, uh, I, want you to do, I want you to promise to do something for me. And he said, well, you don't have to tell me what it is. She says, no, I want you to promise before, you, before I tell you. He said, I, he said, I'd be a fool to do that. So he said, what do you, what, what do you, want, me to, what do you want me to do? And she said, I want you to promise me you're going to pray for my 15-year-old boy every day till he gets saved. And he looked at her a minute and he said, well, I'm not going to do it. And she said, why not? And she says, well, the reason is, is because every time you're around your 15-year-old boy who's not going to church, who's not serving God, who's not living right, you're telling him, he needs to get saved. He needs to come to church. You're going to end up in the reform school. You're going to end up in a gang. You're going to get called by the police. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And he said, you're just wearing him out with your words. And I could pray all day long, but my prayers will not nullify what your words say. So she got all flustered, began to cry. and said, well, what can I do? She, he said this, change your words. Quit telling him he's going to end up in the reform school. Quit telling him he's going to end up in the penitentiary. Quit telling him he's no good. Quit telling him he's rotten. And quit inviting him to church. And she looked at him and said, what? She, he said, quit inviting him to church. Just love him and care for him and take, uh, 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 take time to pray for him. And she, he said this to her. He said, and every time you pray, just say this. Just say this. Name the guy's, the, the, the boy's name. Said, I surround, named his name, with faith and love. Thanking you, Heavenly Father. The power of the devil is broken over him and labors are sent across his path. This, this, this is that it happened many years ago. He said he was preaching in a conference a couple of years later and here come this, this lady with this handsome young man all dressed up in a suit and she looked at him and said, it worked. And he says, it does, it works every time. When you change your words to what God says and begin to speak the word of God, it changes the atmosphere of everything that you're doing. And when that happens, then God can begin to work on your behalf. But see, she wasn't releasing any faith. She was speaking the circumstance. She wasn't giving any framework in which the word of God could come and rest upon. By faith, we understand that the worlds were what? Framed by the word of God. So everything that is in your life right now. Oh, I'm over time. Well, I'll say this real quick. It'll make you mad. Maybe you'll come next week and get healed. <laughs> We've said it before. Everything that your life is right now is a sum total of what you've been saying. It is. And people always try to deny that. Oh, that's not true. Oh, that's not true. It really is. Whatever you speak, whatever you talk, over your kids, over your finances, over your health, over your job, over your... I've, I've, I heard a guy say that one time. Man, they're laying off at the plant, and if anyone gets laid off, it'll be me. Who got laid off? 
He did. He got laid off. I heard somebody say this one time. You know, when the flu comes through this area, I'll be the first one to get it. I'm telling you, just like that, they had it. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. You're made in the likeness and image of God. Now, you have used your words, what you believe in your heart, what you confess with your mouth. You have used those to frame your life. What your life is, that is what you have believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth. Now, people that hear that, oh, I, I tell, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to start, I'm going to start saying, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win the lottery. I'm just going to try. You know, you no more believe that in your heart than you believe you're an astronaut or brain surgeon or anything else like that. So you can say it all day long, but you'll never believe it. Because your words do not have the ability to convince you of what you cannot touch with your senses. But when you start taking the Word of God and start speaking that Word on a daily basis, because on a daily basis, all kinds of negative words are coming at you. Coming at you from the television, coming at you from the, from the news reports, from the newspaper. From all, I remember there's a guy I read after named Smith Wigglesworth, and he said, I won't, I won't even allow a newspaper in my house. It's just full of lies. You know, we're stimulated by Hollywood, by television, by music, by all these kind of things. You've got to make a decision to get alone with God. To get some, some quietness into your spirit and into your heart. To begin to hear the voice of God and respond to it. To dig into the Word of God and begin to allow the Word of God to begin to frame your life. So that when you look at your life, you see God all over it. You see God at your house. You see God in your, in your finances. You see God in your health. You see God in your mind. You see God in your children. You see God in your pets. You see God in your hobbies. In everything you do, you see God in there. Because you put Him in there through your words. So you're either putting Him in or you're taking Him out. Because He's put you in charge through the Word of God. So by faith we what? We understand. You're going to have to learn to operate by understanding. Pray that prayer in Ephesians 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of Him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. That I might know what is the hope of His calling. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints and the lights. What is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Pray that every day. Pray that every day. And you'll start seeing how understanding. You say, can you explain to me, Pastor, how we're going to buy that land, build that building? Ain't no way. Ask me 10 years after we've been in the building. And you know what I say? I ain't got a clue. Just like this building. How'd you get into this building? Well, I can give you the testimony. I give you the testimony, but we started saying in that other building, we're going to find a new building. God's got another place for us. We've outgrown this little place. Thank God God's got a new building. So we begin to do what? We begin to say it and say it and say it. Next thing we know, we had it. How'd that happen? By faith. By faith. How do you know you're going you know to get that building? We say we are. That's why. You say, now that's kind of bold. You've got to be bold. You've got to be bold with it. People say, I just don't believe words are that power. you, powerful. You're harming yourself by saying that, by reducing yourself, by reducing your own ability to believe in the power of your own words. But if you keep your word and understand that God keeps His, then you'll start trusting some words. And when you start trusting some words, then faith will start coming. You'll start operating by faith. The next thing you'll start seeing supernatural things happen in your life. You'll start getting things supernaturally instead of naturally. The only way to get things naturally is to work for them. 
And now, now don't get me wrong. You need a job. You need to work. I work. You work. We all work. But work is a curse. Man was not created to work. Man was not created to work. Man was created to serve God and tend the garden, name the animals, live life. After he sinned, he went to work. He had to dig in the ground for food. He had to raise cattle. He had to go to work. Man was never created to work. Man was created to live. So when you begin to gain things supernaturally and not work for them, because you can never work hard enough to get what you really desire. Then how are you going to get it? Especially if God puts that desire on the inside of you. You're going to have to believe God for it. And when you start believing God for it, then everything you have is God's. And if everything you have is God's, then everything you have is seed. And if everything you have is God and everything you have is seed, then everything you have has the potential to produce something better than what you have. My time's up. Stand on your hands. Stand on your hands. Stand on your hands if you want to. Nobody took me up on it, huh? All right. Hallelujah. You love the Lord tonight? Give him one more shout. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.